Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo, and in this podcast, you're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. Good day to you, wherever you are in the world, and thank you for joining me on this momentous, this cosmic, astronomical milestone, podcast number 50. Well... I'm reading it out and you're hearing it. Well, that means at least one of us has survived this long. If you really are a glutton for punishment, this and the other 49 Southgate Vibes podcasts can all be downloaded from (laughs) anchor.fm. I wonder how many of my glib predictions will turn out to be true or false. Anyway, let's get on with it. Amateur radio is for everyone, those with professional engineering credentials and those who might be a bit less technical but just love the thrill of communicating through the ether and how delightful it is when a truly pioneering radio ham is recognised by their country. Rainer Engelet, Delta Foxtrot 2 November uniform from the German National Amateur Radio Society, the DARC, reports that, at the suggestion of the Bavarian Prime Minister, Dr. Markus Söder, the Federal President has awarded the Order of Merit of the Federal Republic of Germany to the well-known professor, entrepreneur and radio amateur, Professor Doctor of Engineering Ulrich Roder, Delta Juliet 2 Lima Romeo. With this award, the Federal President honoured the great achievements of DJ2LR in the fields of high-frequency and microwave technology. Dr Roder is also considered to be the inventor of SDR technology, which he first presented at a conference in 1985. SDR stands for Software Defined Radio. In recognition of this pioneering development, which is used today in practically all communication technology and also in amateur radio, a special call sign, Delta Lima 35 Sierra Delta Romeo, was aired last year. DJ2LR is a co-partner of a Munich-based company involved in high-frequency and measurement technology, and he celebrated his 80th birthday last year. He is, of course, a member of the DARC. You are listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. The future, as is often said, is in the hands of our children. Attracting younger people to the hobby of amateur radio is vital for its survival. The outlook is healthy, despite all the distractions the world offers today, but it's the work of societies and individuals that will ensure this future. Are you a youth coordinator for your club? Do you help run events aimed at youth in ham radio? Do you have any ideas for ways to get more youth into radio? 
while the Irish Radio Transmitter Society Youth Coordinator, Niall, Echo India 6, Hotel India Bravo, is putting together a group chat for anyone involved in facilitating youth radio activities in ERA. The purpose of this group is to generate ideas for involving young people and ultimately to show young people how great this hobby is. If you want more information or want to be added to the group chat, you can email yota, that's Yankee Oscar Tango Alpha, at irts.ie. And in a further youth development announced this week, the IARU Region 1 Youth Working Group are very happy to be cooperating with the Hungarian Amateur Radio Society, the MRASZ, to introduce a new 12-hour contest aimed at younger operators. This year's sessions will be held on Saturdays, the 22nd of May, 08 to 19.59 hours UTC, the 17th of July, 10 to 21.59 UTC, and the 30th of December, 12 to 23.59 UTC. More details will be announced later. Let's turn our attention now to an interesting corner of the ham radio world, which combines truly athletic sport with a passion for radio in the great outdoors. Post-Covid, there must surely be no better time to wrench up those shorts and dust over your portable receivers. The website Inverse has an interesting article on amateur radio direction finding, which is known as ARDF. Radio direction finding has existed for nearly as long as radio itself. The military uses it for practical reasons, utilising it to triangulate or locate hidden military bases, transmitters and submarines that would otherwise be a secret. The basic technique, with different technological adaptations, was used in both World War I and World War II. And now radio direction finding has become a sport that combines the geeky charm of ham radio, the outdoor skills of orienteering and the endurance of cross-country. Bob Whiskey Alpha 6 Echo Zulu Victor is an ARDF athlete who has competed since 1999 and has attended four world championships. It's a mental game of hide-and-seek, he said. There's so many parts to it. You're thinking, where am I? Which direction is the transmitter? Hopefully, I don't get lost. Even the best competitors will admit that they do get lost on occasion. But there's something about the sport that keeps competitors coming back year after year. It's the rush of racing, mixed with the pride that comes from knowing that you can trust your brain under pressure. What makes amateur radio direction finding a sport? To really understand ARDF, you need to know the basics of how radios work. Radio transmitters release radio waves that are then picked up by radio receivers with ARDF competitors using portable equipment and antennas. These transmitters and receivers are usually designed to work within a specific set of frequencies. Two of the major ARDF competitions require tracking down transmitters tuned to 3.5 MHz, that's the 80 meter competition, or 144 MHz, the 2 meter competition. Each frequency creates a different flavour of competition, explains Ole Gapestadt, president of the International Amateur Radio Union. He's been presiding over the Amateur Radio Direction Finding World Championships since the first one was organised in the 1980s. The 3.5 MHz competition requires receivers with large antennas. Those are cumbersome to run with, so people get around this by building them out of flexible materials that can move through the brush, like tape measures. 
They provide steady and accurate signals that make navigating easier. The 144 MHz competition is considered to be the harder challenge. Waves at this frequency don't pass through large objects and instead might be reflected around the forest. Each one of those reflections is about 60-70% to 70 accurate, but following any one signal with too much confidence can lead a competitor down a false trail, and this can even happen to seasoned competitors. Well, you can read the full article at www.inverse.com. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. Cobra Mist, Duga 3, a.k.a. the Woodpecker, Stradivarius, Container, Pluto. Have I been at the gin again? Well, of course I have. It's our 50th edition, after all. But these outworldly names are just a few examples of transmissions that cause a lot of interference to the amateur radio bands. They are over-the-horizon radars that dynamically use medium and shortwave frequencies, cropping up wherever they like, whenever they like, using immense power levels that mean that they can be heard all over the world and halt communications on the frequencies they land on. To radio amateurs, they are unwelcome intruders on our bands. The International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 Monitoring System Newsletter reports that in March, the ubiquitous over-the-horizon radars, known as OTHRs, made up about 60% of all interference observations. One cannot even count them anymore, their monthly report says. The report also suggests that presumably there are only a few stations transmitting on often changing frequencies. In contrast to the past, there are more and more burst systems, which usually transmit for only a few seconds and then the frequency is changed. Only the over-the-horizon radars Container from Russia and Pluto from the UK base in Cyprus each transmit on a frequency for a longer period of time. The IARU Monitoring System Region 1 March 2021 newsletter is produced by the organisation's coordinator, Gaspar, Echo Alpha 6, Alpha Mike Mike. It's in PDF form, and you can read it at www.iaru-r1.org, and the latest newsletter is linked from the front page. The monitoring system's own web pages, www.iarums-r1.org, have a lot more information and also tells you how to report intruding signals of all types. Okay, now the last story of this week, and uh, I wanted to save this one till last. 
I never cease to be surprised by the depth and width of amateur radio. It has so many facets, and you'd be hard-pressed to have a play with them all. But this one has caught me entirely unawares. If you're old enough to remember how, when an aircraft flew over your VHF amateur radio station, the signals would bounce up and down sinusoidally. Well, in that case, this story will fascinate you. It describes the use of a modern, weak-signal digital amateur radio mode in the hunt to locate a downed passenger aircraft. An article on the Airline Ratings website says that the fascinating technology known as Weak Signal Propagation, WSPR, known as Whisper in amateur radio parlance, which is a digital communications protocol, is providing a new tool to help confirm the location of Malaysian Airlines flight MH370, which disappeared just over seven years ago with 239 souls on board. As an analogy, imagine you had to hike across a prairie and every two minutes there were a bunch of tripwires that you couldn't see that set off an alarm. Or, to put it another way, imagine you broke into a high-security bank and to reach the vault you had to cross a room full of laser beams that you couldn't see. But any interruption of a laser beam would set off an alarm. Well, that's what aircraft do. They trip off invisible radio waves. And Richard Godfrey, one of the leading experts in the hunt for MH370, has just concluded a new study which finds that the aircraft tripped off a series of radio transmission detections which confirm that it is in the location that satellite studies and drift modelling have suggested. You can read the full story at www.airlineratings.com and there's a presentation called Geocaching in the Ionosphere by Dr Robert Westphal, Delta Juliet 4, Foxtrot, Foxtrot, which was given at the Ham SCI Workshop 2021. This gave an overview of the use of the Weak Signal Propagation Reporting Network in the search for MH370. If you want to download the slides from this presentation, there's a Dropbox link under this story on the Southgate Amateur Radio News website, www.southgatearc.org. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.